Hey guys, welcome, welcome back. Oh my God, it feels like it's been forever. It really has been forever. I'm telling you. I mean, it's almost been three and a half weeks since we've done a podcast. That's unbelievable for me. This is Brandon with the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for continuing to follow, continuing to support, email, text, tweet, snap, all the all the things that I that I follow and do. And, and I, I really appreciate that. Man, we, we've been behind. We've been behind on the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Lots of things going on behind the scenes. As you know, the nonprofit Save Us, Don't Slave Us is up and running at about an 85% capacity right now. So I'm very excited about that. That has taken a lot of my time. I'll be real with you guys. That has taken a lot of my time from getting the Facebook going, which is still not even where it needs to be, working on the website, working on the logos. Uh, Instagram goes live this Friday. Twitter goes live next week. And we're just going to continue to do that while still writing Toy Cars in the Nightstand, doing Trash Talk with my good friend and co-host, Stuart Sachs, uh, Motivational Minute, uh, what else we got? Uh, Luke and Dada's Movie Review, uh, Catch a Buzz with Brandon, and then the new podcast on Stereo, This Dude and That Dude with my friend David Harvey. So, I mean, there's all that I've been working on, and unfortunately, in the middle of that, I have life, you know, real jobs that pay my bills, not one bill, but all my bills. And of course I have Luke, which takes up all the time in the world. Thank God. Probably the happiest I ever am is with him, even when he's been a pain in the butt. And I'm going to tell you right now, two days ago was rough. (laughs) That was every toddler emotion and stereotypical response that you could imagine. He was giving it to me. Everything. It was a rough day. Um, but I'm happy to, that he's back from California. He's only been back like a week. So I've been trying to just make up for lost time. And he's grown so much in, in those two weeks that he was gone that it's, it's just crazy. But uh, I'm back. And, uh, oh, and of course, I forgot that we had the snowpocalypse, Snowvid 2021 here in Texas. Power outages, freezing rain, ice snow, you know, sub-zero temperatures, and then the whole power grid fell apart. So way to go, Texas. Way to fail on that one. But anyway, uh, so unfortunately, my podcast got postponed because Ken, who was going to be on my podcast, uh, couldn't make it out here because of the weather. Then we couldn't do it remotely because there was no Wi-Fi or power. And here we are. So I'll get Ken back on very soon so we can discuss his book. And his new book that he's working on and, and kind of get a status update on that and talk about, you know, writing in 2021 and how it's changed and, and what are we looking to do? Are we going to keep books? Are we all going digital? Things like that. So it, it's just been chaos, but I'm back now and I'm excited to be here. And today we are going to talk about Canada, hence the weekend. For those of you that don't know, the weekend is from Canada. He's Canadian. That's why he's from Canada. But, um, you know, being from Michigan and Detroit area and all that, you know, Canada's right there. I mean, we border Canada in multiple ways. So the closest would be the Ambassador Bridge and the Windsor Tunnel. When you're from Detroit, and I've said it a hundred times, and for those of you that don't, that, that have never been to Michigan or have never been downtown Detroit or to Detroit or anything, 
I'm not exaggerating when I say that you can look across the river, and it's a real river. It's not one of these fake pretend man-made rivers. It's a real, real river that I probably wouldn't want to swim in at all. God knows what's down there. Actually, I do know what's down there, which is probably why I don't want to swim in there or eat any fish from there. As much as Michigan has fresh water and, you know, beautiful lakes, the Detroit River in this particular area is not something I want to deal with. Um, I mean, stone cold through the belt over there, so I think the Rock's Belt is in the water and there's probably bodies and Hoffa and cocaine and guns. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> The, you can you can literally look across the river and see Canada. And when I talked about it in one of my other podcasts, when they did the uh, 4th of July celebration, the Freedom Festival, it was really cool because a lot of people would, you know, when they couldn't get on the American side to watch, they would cross the bridge and go to the Canadian side and watch the fireworks. And back in the day, believe it or not, Canada would actually participate in our Freedom Festival, even though it was another country, they would shoot fireworks as a celebratory thank you for being partners with the United States and friends and, and trade and all that. Because the Ambassador Bridge is was the main transportation for trucks going over to Canada. Obviously, you, they couldn't do semi-trucks in the tunnel. They're not allowed. But you would look at the Ambassador Bridge, and sometimes that Ambassador Bridge would be backed up with semi-trucks going to the different plants you know, Chrysler had a plan over there and things like that and, and transporting back and forth. And I'm not a big bridge guy. I'm not. You know, I think I'm better now, you know, because my ex-wife was, was scared of bridges, so I would not be as scared. But back in the day, man, the idea of driving across a bridge sucks. I mean, especially the Ambassador Bridge. Now, it doesn't sway like the Mackinac Island Bridge, which is a horrible bridge to go across. Um, but it's graded. So you can feel your tires going back and forth and you feel that rumbling. It's because there's grates at the, uh, on that bridge. You can see below in the water. They used to do a thing where you could walk across the Ambassador Bridge, not in a million years. And you would literally walk and there, you could see the crates on, you know, below your feet, you could see holes. You could drop a quarter through it and it would hit the water. So the idea of driving across that is not something that I wanted to do, but it was a way to get back and forth between Canada, Windsor, or just the country, and, of course, Detroit. Now, you could go up north and go to the Blue Water Bridge, which was a little bit smaller, and there were other ways. But the main in and out was through Detroit. Well, the one thing is, as I was growing up, was that the drinking age in Canada is 19. And I don't think it's changed, actually. So we didn't have to wait to be 21 to drink legally. We could go to Canada and drink. Now, mind you, this was all before 9-11. Everything changed with 9-11. Not the drinking age, but the easy access of getting over changed for 9-11. Back in the day, you just flash them your ID. You didn't even have to have a driver's license. You could have had a Michigan licensed ID or a passport. Boom, flash it. You're 19, cool. You were 18 even, you could go over. But you had to be with somebody who was of age. Um, they kind of they gave you a little bit of a hard time if you were underage and crossing the bridge. It wasn't illegal at all, but they would give you a little bit of a hard time. But the agents, the customs agents, dude, some of the nicest, coolest people I ever met. 
So here we are. I'm 19 years old. I can't drink legally in the United States and Michigan, but I can take 30 minutes from where I was staying with a group of guys or whoever, go over to Canada, party it up, get a hotel room or a drive back, which is definitely not smart because if you are drunk and you drive back, number one, that's against the law, you get arrested. And you can't tell the cops, well, I was drinking in Canada, not in the United States because you're behind the wheel of a car, so you're going to get arrested. But this was insane. Now, many, some of you guys used to go to Mexico. You know, I'd hear about Mexico. You know, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico and get drunk, come back, back in the day. I'm telling you right now, this was like that. It was a party. Now, Canada probably hated us because we're stupid Americans getting drunk in Windsor. But, the, but what we used to do, especially because the exchange rate was so different. You could go over there with $20, do the exchange rate. You ended up having like 40 bucks. You go to Canada, you're done. You're good for the night. You don't need anything. I mean, it was insane. And at the time, Detroit did not also have the casinos. You'd have to go up north. So the MGM Grand Casino, Mortar City, and Greektown Casino, they were built in 1999. The Windsor Casino and Caesars, I think it is Caesars now, or it's operated by Caesars Entertainment anyway, which I believe they purchased... Both of those in 2008. Don't quote me on that. Um, they might be two separate ones. I, I don't know. But that being said, <clears throat> that was built in 1994. So there was a huge five-year difference. So we would just, we'd just be like, hey, let's go over. Let's go to Canada. And we always told the, uh, the Ambassador Bridge. Yeah, we talked to the bridge. <laughs> we always told the custom agents... We're just going to go gamble at the casino, maybe go get a drink, a bite to eat. Half the time they knew we were full of crap. They knew we were going to go get drunk, but they didn't care. Sometimes they would even joke with us. Oh, you guys going to the strip clubs? And sometimes we did. Actually, I should give a warning. If my, if my parents are listening to this, do it at your own risk. That's all I'm going to say to you. I'm 42 years old. This was when I was 19 and 20. I got no shame. I could care less. I did it. It happened. Whatever. But if you don't want to hear this, anything that happened in Canada, I suggest that you skip this episode and listen to a previous episode. That's all I'm going to say. If you're going to listen to it, then go at your own risk, no judgment, and I don't want to hear about it. So there we go. Um, But sometimes we would go to the strip club because in Detroit, the strip clubs, if they serve alcohol, they can't be completely nude, just topless. If you don't serve alcohol, you can be completely nude. Now, I don't know if that's changed because I don't go to strip clubs anymore. I, matter of fact, I've got a weird thing about strip clubs. Like, I think we all go through that phase as guys, and maybe even some girls, where, hey, I can go to a strip club. This is cool. You know, because movies glorify them. But the reality is, I don't know, man. I, I, I look at these girls, and I'm like, you're dancing naked, which thank you for that. But guys are just being, like, I know how guys are. They're disgusting. And I think about girls that come into the bar that are looking hot and all that and what the guys do to them there. I can't imagine the things that go on in strip clubs. And there's no classy strip club out there, guys. Yeah, there might be some that are better than the others that don't do certain things. But drugs, pornography, prostitution, it goes through all of them. So I just... I just feel bad for the girls and I've known strippers throughout my life 
And some of them have done exactly what they said they were going to do, put themselves through college and then stop. But others have gotten caught up in the game, hooked on drugs, and and who knows what else. So I, I need to make that clear. I haven't been to a strip club since I was probably 20, maybe 21, and that's a stretch. I just don't go. It's not my thing. I don't want to waste money, and I don't care. So that's my feelings on it. But back in the day when I'm 19 and an idiot and I'm getting all kinds of money, I just thought I was a player. You know, I'm Scarface. I'm Tony Soprano. You know, I'm just going out, having a good time. And we would go to the, we would cross the border on a, almost like on a random night. We'd be sitting there on a Thursday night. Hey, guess what? Let's go to Canada. Boom, let's go. We cross the border. Sometimes it was busy. Sometimes we take the tunnel. Sometimes we take the Ambassador Bridge. And when I say tunnel, understand that the tunnel is going underwater. Okay, this is not a tunnel that's like through a mountain, through a hill. It's going under the Detroit River. That's all I'm going to say. So, (laughs) in the Detroit River, as you're going driving under, you can see water leaking through. Now, they say it's supposed to do that, otherwise it'll collapse. They gave me a reason for that, like it's sweating almost, or it's not water from the tunnel, it's water from or from the river, it's water from the pipes. Could you imagine being stuck in that tunnel and it collapses for some reason? It's like that movie Daylight with Sylvester Stallone, like good luck. I think it's called Daylight, but anyway. Um, yeah, it is Daylight with Sylvester Stallone. So you could go through that or you could go over. So those are choices. I mean, that's it. But anyway. So we would go over on a Thursday night. Now, when you did the exchange rate, you'd hit Windsor. You're right in Windsor. This is not a representation of Canada. It's not beautiful. It really just looks looks like an extension of Detroit. The thing is, though, it's packed. And there are bars after bars after bars, restaurants, strip clubs, casinos, party stores. It's packed. I mean, it is like spring break. It was. I, I don't think it's like this anymore. Matter of fact, I know it's not. But it was like spring break seven days a week, 365 days a year. And 90% of the people there were American, maybe 80, because Canadians didn't go there unless they worked there. And a lot of Americans would work in Canada. They'd work in the bars in Canada. They'd go over to Don Cherry's, Pepper Smash, not Pepper Smash, Peppers, um, and they, you know the Lions. They'd go over to those main bars, and they would work and then drive back because they would make so much money, that it was, and it was a lot easier to get a job there. And then, of course, you had the hotels and the casinos and and all that. So we would go over. We just parked the car because you didn't walk anywhere. And this was back before Uber and, you know, Lyft and all that. So the cabs were real cabs. But you didn't need a cab. You just walked everywhere. I mean, unless it was like in the middle of winter. And even then, we didn't care. We just walked everywhere. There'd be live music. um, You know, you you could gamble. You could do uh, off-track betting. I mean, it was insane and there'd be everybody between the ages of 18 and 21 or you know over there and I say that because of course you got it you're an 18 year old you can get a fake ID and go over to Canada and a lot of time I'm going to tell you as long as you had money they hardly even looked at those IDs it was it was a dangerous dangerous place uh dangerous because people were underage but we go to all kind of places, the Blind Owl, the Manchester Pub, Treehouse Bar and Grill. Anything you wanted was over there. And 
we would just party. They would sell you Long Island iced teas in a pitcher. Four bucks. You'd be walking around with a pitcher of Long Island. And this was Canadian Long Island iced teas. This was not some sort of mix. This was alcohol with a splash. And you just drink your Long Island iced teas. You drink your Labatt's. You drink your whiskey. They'd have like $1.50 tall boys of Labatt blue. Canadian money, mind you. It's basically like Monopoly money. And that's what we used to say to everybody. Me and Jeremy and Ken and Toby and Joe Purdue, we'd sit there and be like, ah, it's basically Monopoly money. Because you'd, you'd have these little gold coins that were like loons or loonies or whatever. And they had ducks on them. And it was a dollar. I mean, it just didn't make sense. It was Monopoly money. So you just toss it out. You don't care. Sometimes you go over 50 bucks, you'd be a baller. You'd be there all night and stay at a hotel. And we would just bounce from bar to bar, meeting women, meeting other dudes to party with, go to the next bar, whatever. Well, it became a thing, especially as we got more money. And I remember Ken and I would go quite a bit with our buddy. We called him Bartender Ryan because he used to bartend, and, and we were very creative with our nicknames. So he was Bartender Ryan. And we'd go over there with Bartender Ryan, Jeremy, God, I don't even know who else, man, um, and cross over. And we always hit up one bar. And then go to Cheetahs or a Million Dollar Saloon. Those were strip clubs. Million Dollar Saloon would say they'd had 100 pretty girls and one ugly one. I would say it was more like 70-30, but that's okay. And we'd go to Cheetahs. Well, I actually met a girl at Cheetahs. <laughs> um, I'm going to refrain from saying her name. And I don't even know if I talked about this before. Because I know I just recently told this story. But I met a girl at Cheetahs. And she was a stripper. And she was like, I don't know, from the Eastern European, Ukrainian, Russian, Slavic, something. And um, she was very pretty, very pretty. I didn't spend a ton of money on her, but I did. I spent money. Probably I shouldn't. So when we came back the second and third time to go to Cheetah, she recognized me. Now, I'm not one of those guys who thinks that all these strippers want to date me or I tipped her so she because she really likes me. I get the game. I get how they're working the crowd. And I didn't even try that. But she did recognize me, and I didn't like spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But then we started talking. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my coffee, guys. And we started hanging out. Or, I mean, like talking back and forth about life, like... Her mom was sick, and she, her mom lived out uh, close to Niagara Falls, which was about three and a half, four hours north of Windsor. And she was staying with her mom sometimes to, to help her out, and she was in school. And, you know, it was kind of a basic story that could have been fake, but it actually was real. We exchanged numbers, and she started calling me and, and, and stuff like this. Mind you, this was before, like, real texting, like, international texting was expensive. So she would call me on my, my house phone or she would text me on my very first cell phone I ever had or one of my second ones before the iPhone, guys. And um, we started hanging out. Well, I went over there on a weekend without my boys. She wasn't working. She took it off. And we actually hung out. We went out to eat. Uh, we went shopping. We went to different parts of Windsor. We went further north. I met her the next weekend and we drove up to see her mom in Niagara Falls. Uh, or by Niagara Falls, and then we went to Niagara Falls. I stayed in her house. We'll leave it at that. And um, we were almost like dating. 
And it became really weird because I remember my buddies talking to me like, dude, you're dating a stripper. And at the time, it, I, it was weird. It was like, it was kind of cool because I was like, yeah, I am. And there wasn't really much jealousy going on. You know, like, like I think now if I was to date a stripper, something, something would be wrong with me. No offense to my stripper people out there, I guess. Um, I don't think I would do it uh, because I would be jealous and it would never end well. And I'm 42 with a kid. And that's not exactly what I want to do. Um, but at the time, I was kind of like, I don't know, not proud, but I was dating a stripper. And it didn't bother me. And she had a goal. She wanted to quit. And she told me how much money she was saving to quit. And, you know, I did find out that she did quit. Unfortunately, it was after we broke up. Um, but it just got too much for me. What, what ended up happening was we were going to her mom's house once or twice a month. I was young, man. I was not ready to get to that commitment where I'm having a long-distance relationship with a stripper in Canada who's going to her mom's house to take care of her because she's sick. Like, I'm a guy who's, like, barely thinking of, of the next weekend. Uh, you know, there was no long-term goal for me which is probably pathetic, but I think most 19-year-olds and 20-year-olds, that's what you are. You're selfish. You're like toddlers. You just want everything now. And I broke up with her. And she was mad. I'm going to tell you right now, she was mad. She was a lot madder than I thought she was going to be. I mean, I wasn't balling in the money. I wasn't paying for all kinds of stuff. She was clearly making more money than I was. But she reached out to me several months after we broke up and told me she had quit. Uh, she was moving to New York. Her mom had passed away, and she was going to finish school in New York. So there you go. I don't know what happened to her. Maybe she's back on the pole again. Who knows? Maybe she's dead. I don't know. But if that was one of those situations that could have gone bad either way, I guess, for her, but hopefully she made it. And if she's out there listening randomly, then good for you. Um but that happened in Windsor. And I remember my buddies just giving me a hard time about it. You broke up with a stripper. And that would have never happened had I not gone to Windsor. There were other times, too. I remember we didn't have a lot of money, but we wanted to go to Windsor. So our theory was, let's go to the casino and win money so we can party. That, that's, that was the, the logic. It's kind of like, hey, I, I, you know what? I need to pay my mortgage. I have some of it, but I don't have enough. You know what? I'm going to go up to Oklahoma and bet. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go pay, I'm going to go to Vegas and try to pay my mortgage. The odds of you winning are slim to none. Well, guess what? We won $600 that night. We spent a hundred and won 600. So we were up 500 bucks that paid for our hotel that paid for our parties that paid for our food that paid for our cab. And then we drove back broke, but we had a great weekend. And this is the stupid mentality. I mean, this is how dangerous it was going back and forth to Canada like it was nothing. And we could get away with it pre-9-11, of course. And I remember one time I got arrested in Canada. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I'm not telling you guys this to glorify my stupid young days. I'm just telling you, this, look, this is just what my life of an average Joe was about. Just things that happened and, and, and just the random occurrences that happened in my life. This isn't something to be proud of. This is just life. I'm surprised I made it out. Maybe that's the lesson there is that I actually made it. Um, well, we went to Canada and my buddy Jeremy at the time, 
was dating a girl, and she was super cute, too cute for him. Uh, Italian girl, yeah, I mean, I liked her. Um, but she was very uh, kind of controlling. So she wanted to come with us on a guy's trip. Well, that that's not acceptable. It's guy's night. I don't need to deal with this girl. How am I supposed to pick up random people with some girl there? But anyway, we went. Come to find out, she got upset. She said she'd go to the strip club. She wanted to do everything that we did and just have fun with us. And she was a fun girl, don't get me wrong. But she wanted to do everything that we did. And I'm like, this is going to end badly because I know how this is. I, I just know. So we went to the strip club. She was okay. She was having fun. Of course, we got in for free because we brought a girl. So that's exciting. She saved us money. Or at least a little bit of money. I think Ken was there, and he'll have to remind me. I just know that he bought. Our, we were buying rounds of shots, and Ken, sorry, buddy, you might not remember this, but this is part of our life. He bought a round of lap dances. So, <laughs> again, we were young and stupid, but um, uh, she was there, and then I remember, and I could be, I could be cross-mojinating multiple trips, but I do remember her going and us getting in for free. And then we went out to party. We went to another bar. I think it was Don Cherry's and the Peppers and maybe Treehouse. We might have went to the to the Low Lit Tavern, I think it was called. It was a really cool place. I mean, you walked behind a bar, down some steps, through a long corridor that was designed like a cave. And it had like mist shooting out like you're in a rainforest. And then you came into the Low Lit Cavern. And it had all these tables that were tucked in the corner like cavern like it was it looked like a cave and in the middle there was a giant chandelier people were dancing but then you could have your private areas or private private areas that sounds not like the word i was looking for you could have your privacy in the little corners and be a little candlelit so if you and your guys want to get together you had a bunch of girls whatever or you could go out and dance it was a really cool place and it was done like a cave i mean everything looked real they had waterfalls in there it, you it looked like a place that should be in Vegas, not in Canada. But we went, to, we went to all those places, and each place, her attitude slowly dipped. She started to get tired. She didn't want to party anymore. She didn't, she didn't want to do this. And I was just getting fed up. I was like, dude, this is not my girlfriend. So I don't have to deal with this nonsense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. So I left by myself. I texted our buddy Mike at the time, who was with us. Couldn't get a hold, not texted, called Mike at the time. Couldn't get a hold of him. So I just started bouncing in bars. I just meet people. Checked out some techno over here because Canada had some amazing techno on a regular basis. Uh, some live music over here. Met some girls. We hung out for a little bit. Then I bounced on them because I was annoyed. And I was getting drunk fast, man, because that's what you do in Canada. And I remember I was walking down the middle of the street. And actually, I'm going to talk about this part on uh, this and that dude, this dude and that dude podcast on Thursday. But anyway, um, I was walking down the middle of the street and the cops, and they were on horses or bikes. I think they were horses. They came up to me, told me to get out of the street. I said, yeah, I'm working on it. And I walked across, but instead of getting off the street, I just continued to cut across the street. They pulled me over. They're going to write me a ticket. I was like, you're seriously writing me a ticket for crossing the street? And they're like, yeah, it's jaywalking. And that was the one thing about Canada. You can get away with jaywalking in a lot of places. Canada, they will fine you. And I think they figure, look, we can't deal with all these American idiots drinking. We can't do anything about it, but we sure can fine them 
every time they cross the street the wrong way, every time they jaywalk. So I jaywalked. And I was like, you're giving me a ticket? How do I pay that? Well, they had drop boxes. You could literally go to a drop box and make that payment right then and there because if you didn't pay it in 48 hours, you'd have a court date. You'd have to come back to Canada. And they took cash. You put in an envelope, you took cash, and you could pay it right then and there or credit card. And I was like, dude, I'm not paying this. This is stupid. And he's like, you need to pay that, sir. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Well, I was talking back to a police officer, and I was American. So they arrested me. They threw me in the drunk wagon. They put me to the cell. They took me to a cell. I made my phone call. Couldn't get a hold of anybody. I had to wait four hours till I sobered up, they said. It might have been three hours, but not only did I have to pay my fine there or I'd have to come to court, I had to pay another fine for getting thrown in jail and going in the drunk tank. But three and a half hours later, I was out again. I was like 150 bucks short at that point, maybe a little less. I met up with the guys again. We continued to drink, but Jeremy and his girlfriend went back to the hotel and went to bed for the night. And not in the fun way went to bed. They went to bed. They were done. We stayed up to 5 a.m. drinking and then went to breakfast. <laughs> but they literally threw me in the drunk tank or like, and when you sober up, we'll let you out. So I had to do two breathalyzers. They checked on me like after an hour and I was still drunk. And then they checked on me again and it was tolerable. And I told them I could pay everything right then and there. And they let me go. You could not get away with that in Michigan or probably even now in Canada. And that's the thing. It has definitely changed. I went with my sister when she was either, when she turned 19 or when she turned 20. I can't remember. It was just the three of us we went. And we went um, and we, you know, we stayed at the hotel. We partied. Everything was more expensive. The prices went up. I think, I, I don't know the dates. I, I can't remember the dates. But everything went up. I don't think we went to the casino. The bars were still the same. They were still over-serving. But it just wasn't as fun. And I remember there being a lot more police presence there. And then they did last call at 2.45. So the days of drinking till 5 a.m. were over. So we went back to the hotel. We ran out of alcohol. So here's the logic. We drove to the duty-free store, which is, everybody knows, where you can purchase alcohol or gifts tax-free cross the border for cheaper. You're supposed to declare alcohol. We didn't. So it's 3 or 4 a.m. We had been drinking all night. We drive to the duty-free store, bought a bunch of alcohol, drove into Detroit, got gas in Detroit, went to the bridge or went to the tunnel and came back to Canada under the tunnel. They didn't even say anything like, hey, what'd you guys do? Didn't you guys just come back and forth? They didn't say anything. Crossed back over in the Windsor, Windsor Casino, or Windsor, the hotel, drank, got up in the morning, crossed back over into Michigan with the remainder of the alcohol. <laughs> Not smart. Not smart. But I did notice, though, that it was very different back then. It wasn't the same as when I was a kid or younger. There was a lot more police on there. People were, were giving everybody a hard time. Uh, meaning like if you were drunk walking on the street, they were talking to you. It wasn't like before. So I, I believe they've cracked down. And I imagine since, you know, September 11th when that happened, which that was in 2001. So 
that had to be after my sister was 20. I, I, I don't really know. But at the time, the Casino, uh, Casino Windsor was one of the most popular casinos in the Detroit market because everybody from Canada or everybody from Detroit went over there. So everybody from Detroit went over to Casino. You've got, I mean, that, that place was under massive renovate, renovations. It was getting big acts like Billy Joel and all that. I mean, since they opened in the temporary location in 1994, which really wasn't that great. It used to be in an art gallery. It was, it was horrible. I mean, it was okay, but it was horrible. And then, of course, in 1995, they built it. And finally, in 98, they, they, they came through with it. And it was, it was a great casino. But they were getting massive, massive, I mean, acts like Billy Joel. The, um, the Killers went through there. Celine Dion went through there. I mean, Brian Adams, of course, he's Canadian, and so is Celine Dion. But it was 23 stories at the time. That was a big casino. Now it's 27 stories, and it's got 5,000, a 5,000 seat entertainment center, which is huge, and they can get, you know, 5,000 people to see music there. So obviously they've tried to revamp that as not just a place for American teenagers to get drunk. They tried to make that like an entertainment center to counter Detroit's casinos since finally Detroit decided to, to up their game. I always felt that the Detroit casinos were never as nice as the Windsor casinos. Again, I haven't been to the Detroit or Windsor casinos in years. I don't really have a desire to go. But I always felt that Windsor had a, had a one-up. It was something about being in another country and looking right over at your country. It was just, it was very cool, but they both really made the Riverwalk nice. They would do festivals on the Riverwalk, art shows, live concerts. So we didn't always go over there to just drink. I mean, 89% of the time we did, or 95% of the time we did. But we would go over there to watch concerts, too, and see live bands, local Canadian acts, or a band that we knew from Detroit that was doing a tour over in Canada. We'd check it out. I mean, I don't know how we didn't get arrested more. I don't know how we even made it across the border. I mean, to tell you how lax the border was pre-9-11, I was best man in, in a wedding, unfortunately. A guy named Dan. I don't even remember his last name. We worked together at a radical lawn care. I didn't know this guy less than a year, but he wanted me to be his best man. And I said, okay. And he was cool. I liked him. You know, we were buddies. So I was his best man. Well, a best man's job is to put on an awesome bachelor party. So we rented a limo, we went to Canada because we had a couple friends that were 20. They weren't 21 just yet. We knew it could be cheaper. So we went to Canada, did the strip club thing, did the casino. We had a hotel in Westland or Canton, Michigan, which was like 25 minutes outside Detroit. It was cheaper, but we had a, we had a limo, so didn't care. I paid for all the limos. I got everybody what I called the million-dollar shirts. Back in the day when The Rock first became a heel or bad guy, he used to wear these silk shirts, million-dollar shirts. You know, they were, and I bought everybody shirts that looked like that so we could, we could you know, look like pimps. Supplied all the liquor. I paid for all the hotel rooms, which was like three or four. Um, I paid for everything, everything. 
we met up at the hotels. We got drunk. We got in the hotel. We got in the limo. Dude, we were rolling over across the Canadian Ambassador Bridge because we couldn't take a limo in the tunnel. And the Ambassador Bridge with fifths of Jack open, drinking in the back seat, smoking cigars. Rolled down the window and they said, hey, they talked to the limo driver, didn't talk to us. But then they wanted to talk to us. So, we had to, so the limo driver had to roll down the back window. He said, hey, where's Dan? And he looked at him and he said, congratulations, good luck. And they didn't care. They saw all of our bottles. They took a picture with us. I'm, I've got a picture of me and our bachelor crew holding a fifth of Jack Daniels standing on the opposite side of the Ambassador Bridge with the customs agents getting ready to go into Canada, go to the, go, you know, go wherever we went first. They're taking pictures with us. We didn't even have to pay the, the $5, $10, whatever the limo charge fee was. They waved us in. There is no way now that we would get across the border. Number one with a bottle of, uh, with a fifth of Jack Daniels or multiple fifths, Jaeger, Jack Daniels, Rumplemints, all the things that we shouldn't be drinking. No way we could do that. No way we could take pictures with those guys and no way they wouldn't charge us. And on the way back, they waved us through. Same thing. We didn't take pictures. Half of us were passed out. They didn't take pictures, but they waved us through. Now, I got to call out these guys too. Here it is, is Dan's bachelor party. It was Dan, his brother-in-law or something stupid, and his other brother-in-law or his brother. I don't know. He's, his, the, they get back to the hotel. These hotels are paid for. They don't even stay in our hotel. They don't stay. Come to find out, we check into the rooms. We're all supposed to go to breakfast the next morning, go across the street to Bob Evans. Supposed to go to breakfast. They bounced. They went back to Dan's house so they could be with their fiancés or significant others. That's the type of bachelor party this was. The hardcore dudes partied. Myself, Jeremy, Greg, no, George. It was George and whoever else, and these little babies bounced and went back to their significant others. Come on, man. Needless to say, I gave a speech at the wedding. The wedding was fun, but after that, Dan didn't talk to me anymore. Once I left Eratico, he didn't talk to me anymore. I couldn't even get a hold of him anymore. He just bounced. So I always felt like he used me. I don't care. Whatever. I'm not mad. I think they're married. Chances are probably not, but... um. The bachelor party was great, but they left. But my point was, this is what we were getting away with. This is what we were getting away with crossing the border in Canada. You can't do that. Find me. You, now you can't even cross the border. I mean, unless you, you know, illegally cross the border. But um, that was it, man. That, that was one of the things that we did. And I'm sure it's changed. And I really don't have a desire to go back to Windsor. If I, if I went back to Canada, it wouldn't be Windsor. I'd like to go see Niagara Falls again. It was really cool to be able to, to see the falls on the Canadian side and then walk the bridge to the New York side. I thought that was very cool. Um, and I like to see other parts of Canada too because, you know, there's some amazing things in Canada from, on the nature side and, and some of the bigger cities. But I don't think I have a desire to go see Windsor. I guess if I was going to Canada from Detroit, I'd swing through Windsor and see what the changes were. But I don't care about the casino and... I definitely don't need to go to any of those. A 42-year-old doesn't need to go to a bar where a bunch of 19-year-olds are. I have zero desire to do that. I don't even want to go to a bar where there's 42-year-olds you know, these days, let alone deal with a bunch of pain-in-the-butt 19-year-olds. So um, 
But I don't think you could get away with 90% of the stuff. But I look back at that and I'm like, man, that was like a year or two where we should have died, been arrested. I could have been shacked up with a stripper, some a kid with a stripper. I shouldn't keep calling her the stripper, but I'm sure she's better than that now. She seemed like she was a smart kid. Kid. She was like my age or a little. I think she was older than me. She was older than me. Not like old, but like a year or two. So kudos for me, man. That's how I roll. But anyway, guys, I just want to do that update, tell you about Windsor, give you a little peek into my, my teenage years. I know you've heard me talk about going to Canada and things that Michigan offer, and, and I just kind of wanted to paint that picture for you. But um, I will be back with the Life of an Average Joe podcast with Ken. Uh, I'm going to contact him. We've got a really fun one coming up, uh, interesting one to talk about his book, which is available on Amazon. And uh, his new book, which is part two, I believe it's his sequel. I'd like to find out where he's at with that and how he's going to publish that. Discuss my book in further detail. And um, just kind of talk about the state of, of literature these days. So for all my English fans out there, reading fans out there, writing, friends of mine, kins, whatever, that'll be coming up in the next week or so. In the meantime... Don't forget to read Toy Cars on the Nightstand. Check it out at toycarsonthenightstand.com. You can uh, check out some of the blogs there. Of course, Trash Talk every Tuesday at 8 a.m. with Stuart Sachs. You can check that out on all social media platforms, including Anchor, which we love, and Spotify. And if you can't find that, then just uh, follow us on Facebook or YouTube to click on the links. We also have a bunch of new podcasts going on, so... Uh, this dude and that dude will be on Thursday on Stereo App with David, David Harvey. That's an interesting podcast. We like to talk about different topics. Of course, uh, catch a buzz with Brandon every Friday at 8 a.m. Again, you know what? Just look for all the links. Check out my, my link fly. Click on link fly. You can follow, subscribe, and that way I don't have to advertise anymore. And the main thing is, please, don't forget to go to Save Us, Don't Slave Us on Facebook, like the page, follow, see what I'm doing with the new nonprofit. If you'd like to email me about that nonprofit, it's saveusdontslaveus at gmail.com. However, it's S-A-V, S-A-V, save. I had to stress that out because the other one was taken for some random reason. And look for new updates on that uh, this Thursday on Facebook. So save us, don't slave us. Very, very excited about that. Lots of new new information coming out. Uh, I got a Zoom call with somebody that's been really helpful, and we're going to announce a new event soon for that charity. So thank you so much for following the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Continue to like, share, dislike. You can email me right here on Anchor. Leave a comment. Leave me a message. Leave me a follow. Flip me off, whatever you want to do. I will talk to you guys soon.